Mark 4 is 35 through 40. It's a very familiar story to all of us. We've read it time and time again. I'm going to read it again this morning. On the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now, when they had left the, mul- left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as, as he was, and other little boats were also with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a pillow. And he woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now we hear, see here, Jesus gave the command, go, go to the other side. And they launched out to start to the other side. But before they ever got to the other side, they, insta- in, they encountered a trial or a storm that threatened to sink their boat. Now let's think about this for a minute. Peter, James, and John were professional fishermen. That was their job. They fished on this same sea all the time. So this must have been some more storm for these guys. Because, you know, sometimes uh, I'll be flipping the TV and it say deadliest catch. Uh, anybody ever watch that deadliest catch? Man, those boat captains are fearless. <laughs> See some of those waves that come crashing over those fishing boats? And I was just thinking, maybe this was what was happening <laughs> to this boat. And it, it wasn't as fortifi- fortified as the boats are today. But uh, <clears throat> these disciples, they made it to the other side. But it wasn't before they encountered some trial. And if you want to put a title on this, let's call it from trial to triumph. This is a picture of what God wants us to do. We are to go from where we are to where he wants us to be. We're to go from where we are to where he wants us to be. Now, you can't do that being passive. You can't do that just being a couch potato sitting around doing nothing. God intended uh, for us to have an active, involved life. Naturally and spiritually. You know, I I always say it's the natural and the supernatural working together that make the explosive force for God. I say that because we live in a natural world, but we also live in a spiritual world at the same time. And there's rules and regulations for the spiritual side and there's rules and regulations for the natural side. 
And when we combine them and, and do what we're supposed to do in the natural, do what we're supposed to do in the spiritual, everything comes together and makes, makes life easy. Come on now. You know, as, if you're driving a car, you're usually going somewhere, right? From one point to the other. In our Christian walk or our Christian life, we're on a journey, okay? And we should be going somewhere in life. We should not be at the same place we are now next Sunday. We should be moving forward, advancing. We went from sinner to saint. We need to go from immature to mature. We need to go from religious to righteous. There's a lot of religious people, but they're not, but it's a different story to be righteous. We're the righteous of God in Christ, okay? We need to go from problems to promises. We need to go from sickness to health. We need to go from lack to plenty. We need to go from victor to victor. We need to go from trials to triumph. In order to do this, you have to really be convinced. I mean, be convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt. I don't know that the disciples were really convinced that they were going to get to their destination. They looked at the wind instead of listening to what Jesus said, the word. You know, John says, the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. So when he spoke, he spoke as the word. They were afraid they were going under instead of going over. They got afraid instead of staying in faith. They were not convinced they had the victory. You know, before you ever can receive anything, you've got to be convinced that it's yours and that it belongs to you and you can have it. Come on. That's in the natural, but it's also in the spiritual. You see, you've got to believe that you can go from the trial to a triumphant victory. You got to believe it. Now, let me say this. We need to establish a solid theology of victory and triumph in our hearts. You all know, but I'll say this in case somebody doesn't. When, we, when the Bible's talking about heart, it's not talk believing with the heart. It's not talking about that muscle that pumps blood. It's talking about the real man that lives on the inside, the spirit man on the inside. Second Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ through us diffuses the fragrance or gives off the fragrance of knowledge in every place. Romans 8, 37. Yet in all these things, we are more, more 
than conquerors through him who loved us. What does more mean? <laughs> that's, a, that's perplexing, isn't it? Because we identify more with another word, maybe all are plenty. It's funny how some of our words identify, but it means actually that there is more than you have now. Then in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 4, 4, we all know this one. Your God, little children, have overcome them because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. These, just these few verses, and there's many more we could go to, provide us with a solid foundation for victory in every situation in our life. I said, these scriptures and many more give us a solid foundation for victory in every situation in our life. This building is built on a solid foundation. You know how I know that? Because I watched them build it. I watched them take three feet of topsoil for this whole square building. And many of you were here and you saw it. It was all piled up out there. They called it Hagen's Mountain. Anybody here, anybody here remember that? <laughs> and then they brought in soil. And then they put some lime in it and some other things. And they went back and forth across it with the sheep foots and all kinds of, of, of machinery until it was so hard, it was like concrete. The reason being is because the clay that was here didn't give a good foundation. Those houses, any of you ever lived in them houses back over here, you find out that they've had to redo their foundations. In fact, the apartments across the street I don't know how many of them we've had to go in and drill down and then pump stuff in there to lift it back up because they didn't do what they should have did when they built, built it. And then besides that strong foundation there, there, I don't know how many piers, hundred or more probably, but there's three of them, one there and one there and one there that go down I forgot 36 feet something anyway. It's a long way down there. And they are six feet in diameter filled with steel rebar. That's about that big around. They made, they, they, and they made a, a cage-like deal and dropped it down in there and then they filled that thing up with concrete. But you know what? They took a vibrator deal and they stuck it down in there and when they were pouring that concrete, they would vibrate. Then they'd pull it up, put in some more concrete and vibrate so that there were no empty places at all. It was solid. 
How many of you remember when we had the ice storm and we had six feet of snow on this back roof back here and it it sort of caved in a little bit. But just that one area that was all that was hurt, the rest of the building, nobody, they didn't even even feel it. Our engineers that engineered this building said, this building, you can drive a semi-truck into one side of it, the other side of the building wouldn't even know it's there because that's how solid it is. You need to get into this word right here and build you a solid foundation. And my dad used to say, if you can't write in your Bible, then get another when you can. But if you, there goes one of my tags. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate that. It, you, you can see there's yellow and there's some blue. And, and then you go, it's page after page, you can find all that. You also will notice that there's different, that's where I go all the time. You know what that is? That's the epistles. You know why why I do that? Because that's where the Christian, we need to read all of it, but we need to live in the epistles because that's where we find out who we are in Christ. Hello. The foundation will provide you a way to get from trials to triumph. Victory is ours. It's promised to us in the word of God. We have a solution for victory in every situation that we find ourselves in. The reason that some people, I'm not saying they're not Christians. I'm not saying that I may not even be filled with the spirit, but the reason they're having problems is they're not convinced that what they read in this word will actually come to pass in their life. They, have, they, they face a trial. You'll see them one day, oh, praise the Lord. Like, you see them the next day. Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. Just because they had a trial. Okay. Look what Jesus said in John 16, 33. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation. That's trials. But then read the rest of the verse. Be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Did he overcome it for himself? No. He overcame it for us. See, Peter said, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning fiery trials, which is to try you, as though it's some strange thing has happened to you. See, too many people, they, if they get into a trial, oh, I can't figure this out. I don't understand. What in the world I'm in a trial for? I've been following God. I've been trying to do what he asked me to do. Hey, let me tell you a little secret. If you are following God and professing salvation by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are going to run into some trials. Hello. 
because the devil hates anything there is to do with God and he's going to do everything he can to destroy it. John tells us that in John 10, 10. <laughs> the enemy's come to steal, kill, and destroy. But I come that you can have life and then have it more abundantly. Or another translation says rich, satisfying life. The enemy will cause problems. The reason that he attacks you is because some people, they don't have that solid foundation and they will quit and he knows it. Some people think they're no longer in the will of God if they run into a trial. I happen to read about a guy in the Bible that wrote all, of, all we know about faith and he never had a trial. Oh, you ever read the account of everything that he account that he gave that he faced? Man, he's left for dead, he's shipwrecked, all kinds of stuff happened to him. But you know what? He, he's the one that said there in Romans 8, 37, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Hello. You know, the disciples obeyed Jesus and they set out. But then they lost their faith. Their foundation wasn't strong and Jesus had to intervene. Let me tell you this. He's always there to intervene but if you'll get in the word, you can stay up all the time and you don't have to run back and get built up again. If you lift weights, if you don't lift con consistently and you, you lay off, you can't go back and start where you were. You have to start at a lower level of weight and build back up. Is that not right? You guys that know something about that. Hey, that's correct. You know what? A lot of people, they build themselves up and they do good and then everything going great and everything's fine and they just sort of coast and they don't read the word. They don't practice what the word tells them to practice and the devil comes along and knocks them up beside the head and they say, oh, what's going on? And now they have to jump back in the Word and build themselves up. You see, fear got into these disciples. Fear. Fear will paralyze you. It will get you out of making a proper decision. If you've been in the armed services, especially the army, I know what they teach. They teach you never panic, never get into fear. If you do, you cannot make a proper decision. In fact, more than likely, you'll make a wrong decision. Hello. The, the enemy knows this, so he attacks us. 
They got to the other side of the lake, but they went through a trial first. The three Hebrew children went through the fiery furnace, but they come out. Daniel went into the lion's den, but he came out. Paul was shipwrecked, but he came out. The bottom line is Jesus has brought us triumph and victory. And for us to get there, we have to be convinced that Jesus got the victory for us and walk through the trial, walk through the situation, knowing that he will lead us, he will guide us, and that he has victory over here. It says in Psalm 23, yea, though I walk through the valley. Don't pitch your tent. Don't set up camp. Keep on moving. When you get into the trial, keep confessing what the word says. Keep saying, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Keep saying, I can't go under for going over because the power of God is with me. Keep saying, all my needs are met. I don't care what you see. I don't care what you feel. Keep saying, keep saying, keep saying. Jesus purchased all of this for us with his death, burial, and resurrection. He, he became our substitute. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. No, he didn't sin. He accepted the penalty for sin. He became sin for us. He tasted defeat for us. He took stripes on his back for our healing. He took our place in all these areas so that we could be victorious in every area. He has already got us the victory. Your victory is already there. All you got to go out and do is claim it. Just like he told the children of Israel, I'm giving you the promised land, but you're going to have to possess it. We are the spiritual children of Abraham. They were his natural descendants and still are. We are the spiritual descendants according to Galatians 3, 3, 7, 3, 29, 13, and 14. Read it. Now, we can have every blessing because the Bible says we can. He has already won the victory, but we have, this is our promised land right here. Our salvation. We're living in our promised land and we have to possess it. It just won't happen. He purchased it for us. He said, now here it is. If you want it, get it. Hello. You know. When I was a little boy, five, six years old, I go 
grandpa and grandma's house, my mom's mom and dad. And I go, Grandma, I'm hungry. I can almost hear her saying it. Kenneth Wayne, you know the biscuits and sausages in there on the table because that's what they used to do. They had them tables, there's a, a round table, and it had a deal in the middle. It spun around, you put the food on, you spin it around. And when breakfast was over, any of the biscuits or sausage that was left over, she'd put it there. And if you got hungry before, uh, we called it dinner. Now y'all call it lunch. <laughs> we call it lunch, whatever. And we call it supper. We call that dinner. And then we call the night meal supper. But anyway, and she said, can wait. You know, the food's in there. Sausage and biscuit. Go in there and get it. That's what God's saying to us. He said, Jesus provided it for him, like she was saying, she cooked it, she put it there. God's saying, Jesus provided it, here it is. You want some of it? You gotta go get it. Now I could stand there all day long and say, Grandma, I'm hungry, I want something to eat. And she said, I already told you where it is. I wasn't going to get anything until I went in there and got it myself. Hello. Now she didn't, them biscuits she made wasn't them little things. I mean, it'd be that big around about that thick. Anybody know what I'm talking about? She had this glass that sat on the, on the cabinet and that's what she cut them biscuits out with. You know what kind of glass it was? <laughs> I see some of you laughing because you do. <laughs> anyway, that's the Bible says him that him that's ignorant be ignorant still. So, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Now I got everybody's attention again. <laughs> Jesus has already purchased it. It's there. All you have to do is go to the table. God has spread the table. There's healing, there's provision, there's protection, there's everything you need. Just go get your helping. And when you get, rim, get rid of that, just go get some more because he never runs out. You eat at grandma's table, and they start, I mean, the potatoes or the chicken, whatever, start look like it's getting low in the plate. She said, don't worry about it. There's more where that come from. Because she, she didn't know how to cook small. Any of y'all had grandmas like that? I mean, when they, when they cooked, <laughs> you, you could have fed them almost the whole community. <laughs> you see, there it is. It's there for us. It's up to you to get it. Hello. Pull yourself up to the table. Get your plate. Reach over and get your spoon, big old spoonful of healing. Over and get your big old spoonful of prosperity. Whatever it is you need, safety. Hello. The Word of God 
has already promised it. He didn't say that it would be easy. He didn't say we wouldn't have a trial, but he said we would have a triumph. Hello. We have to learn to hold on to our victory. Hebrews 10, 23. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Our victory or our triumph, it says, let us hold fast our profession, our confession. See, we've got to maintain our confession of faith in the middle of the biggest trial you've ever been in in your life. You got to keep confessing what the word says. Confess the promises. We must not get tired of making our confessions of faith. You know, really, everything we get is by what we say. Do you know this works in the natural? You say things in the natural. I don't know how many of you guys have, but I we I've had coach after coach tell us, say, they say, you gotta talk about going out and playing the game. You gonna want you gotta want to win before you can. Hello. You gotta open your mouth and begin to say some stuff. Back in when I was in high school running track. I'd, you know, we'd be the track team there and everybody's saying, hey, Hagen, so-and-so, you running against so-and-so. I said, I don't care who I'm running against. I'm the best there ever was. There ain't nobody going to beat me. You see, you've got to talk victory in the middle of the trial before you're ever going to get any triumphs. Hello? And I've gone out and I have, I have won with guys that actually had faster times than that, but I beat them. And the coach said, how'd you do that? I said, because I did it because I believe I could. That's natural. But the word of God says us, if we will say with our, believe in our heart and say with our mouth, we'll get what we say. So begin to change your talk. Instead of saying I'm sick, say I'm healed. Instead of saying I'm oppressed, say I'm delivered. Instead of saying I'm in danger, begin to say I'm protected, I'm safe. Instead of saying everybody's against me, begin to say I have the favor of God. Instead of saying I don't have anything, begin to say I have every, pros- every provision that I need. I have no more lack. Instead of saying I'm confused, begin to say I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I have peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Too many people remain silent in the middle of their trial instead of opening their mouth and saying what God says. Hello. 
Maybe the trials has sort of silenced them. Well, hey, now's a good time to stand up and open your mouth and begin to say what God said. Say what the Bible said. Don't say what somebody else said. Hello. Jesus provided it, but that does not mean I will automatically have it. I have to possess it just like he provided the promised land for the children of Israel, but they had to possess it. He has provided everything for us at Calvary, but that does not mean that we have it until we possess it. You see some people that, well, did Jesus provide everything for us? Instead of asking that question, you need to ask yourself, are you going to possess what he's provided? See, some people say, well, did Jesus really bring the victory? No, you need to ask yourself, am I getting the victory? And am I holding on to the victory? You possess what you confess. Did you hear what I said? You possess what you confess. That's a great statement. We all know Mark eleven twenty three. That's what this ministry is built on. Do you realize the word of God does not change? The Bible says everything may pass away, but my word will last forever. I'm just going to paraphrase it. Hello. Use your heart to believe and your mouth to confess because victory or triumph is yours. What you believe in your heart will determine whether you go from trials to triumph. Come on now. What you believe, really believe, not just mentally agree with it. You really believe it. See, you don't find out what you really believe until you're in the middle of the crisis. That's when you find out if you believe or not. When you're staring problems in the face when you're staring trials in the face and they're making a face at you and they're saying, you're not going to get it this time. You got to believe and say. One time I was in high school and this boy, this guy called a pass on me and we were walking back. I told him, I said, Better be glad you got that because that's the last thing you'll get today. I'm on now. I'm not talking trash. I believe that. He's not, he's not that good. He's not that much better than me. And if I got a, caught a pass and took off running, I didn't believe anybody going to catch me. And very few ever did. There's one right over there that never caught me playing flag football. 
Oh, we was playing right out here on this field. And he said, uh, he, he told me later, he said, I'll catch, I, I'll catch him. He said, you was pulling away when you went over the goal line. And he was fast. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> you can catch me now, that's for sure. <laughs> but you see, you got to believe and say, I really believed what I told that old boy. And I made it happen. I possessed it. You got to believe what the word says and you got to make it happen. And the devil going to give you everything he can to keep you from getting it. Come on. Our victory is writing the confession of our lips or our triumph is writing the confession of our lips. Speak the word in every situation. You ever seen, I've done it as a kid. You probably have too. You got a toy and the other kid wants to take it from you. This is mine. Hello. Let me know what I'm talking about. You may have done that with your brother or sister. It's mine. You got to get that same attitude about the things that God said belongs to you. And you got to tell me, Mr. Devil, this is mine. Get that. Mm, I don't know what to call. I don't want to call. I just know it's on the inside of me. Mm. I, in my personal life, natural life, and in my spiritual life. I just got that, I, I, I don't know what you call it. I just know one thing. I cannot be defeated and I won't quit. See, your triumph is in what you say. Your healing's in what you say. Your provision is in what you say. I don't care what the economy says. Your safety is in what you say. I don't care what anybody else is saying. I want you to notice Jesus established the victory on that cross. We establish the victory in our hearts when we believe and we possess it with our mouth when we speak. It's up to you whether you go from trials to triumph. Heavenly Father, I talked to these people for two few moments. Most of them know most of what I was saying. Some maybe didn't. But Father, I thank you that I know that everyone needed something that was said. And I thank you that whatever part of this message they needed, I thank you that it will be stamped indelibly in their hearts. And I thank you that we will continue to go from trials to triumph because that's what the word says. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Where'd you get anything out of this this morning?